Today we begin a new journey through the entire Bible that we're calling This Is My Story. Over the next nine months, yeah, nine months, uh, we're going to work our way through the Bible. We're going to just hit the high point of the Bible, showing how the entire 66 books of the Bible are really just one story, one great big story, uh, the story of God's love the story of God saving the world. And really, it's, it's our story. It's a story about God loving us. It's a story about God saving us. And so today, we begin appropriately uh, in the beginning. Every story has to start somewhere. Every, every story has an introduction. Every great story has an introduction that grabs your attention sets the tone for the rest of the story. It, it, it gives us a glimpse of what's to come. Well, the Bible begins its long winding story with a, with a poem. It's divided into seven semi-repetitive strains describing where we come from, our origin, and our originator. It establishes that God is the creator of everything. So our story, the story we're going to spend the next month telling, begins with the simple words, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then over seven really pretty busy days, God, like a, a master artist, like a, a genius inventor, created everything that exists, the earth, the sky, the, the heavens, the animals, the plants, and finally, God creates humans in God's own image. Everything, everything that exists finds its genesis in this story. And everything that exists was created with such great care and attention and intentionality. God made everything exactly the way God intended to. No error, no shortcuts, no, no flaws, no no cutting corners. At the end of each day, as God created, God, God looked over what God made that day and said, it is good. And at the end, when God had created everything, God looked at everything that God made and said, it is very good. Excuse me, Vance. Um, God looked around and saw that everything God made was very good. You, you call this good? I mean, in 2020 alone, we have experienced the novel coronavirus, murder hornets, racism, protests, tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, job loss, underemployment, derecho windstorms wind in Iowa, virtual school, mask mandates, social isolation, separation from family members and friends, wildfires, and record-breaking heat waves. And it's only August. And all of this on top of an election year that pits people and ideas and groups against each other. Hostility and anger are in the air. Falsehoods are shared, and we don't really know what's true. Not to mention all of the other challenges that we experience in life, health diagnoses, medical treatments, work conflicts, 
addiction issues, financial hits, aging, divorce, death, and grief. These life challenges are bad enough on their own, but when added to the crucible of coronavirus, they seem even more difficult. Multiple characters in the musical Hamilton, they say the phrase, look around, look around at how lucky we are to be alive right now. Well, my apologies to Lin-Manuel Lin Miranda, the creator of Hamilton, but when I look around right now, I do not feel so lucky to be alive. If this is what God calls good, then I don't want to see what God calls bad or even what God calls okay. Life and creation, they don't look or feel very good right now. Blessing? I don't know. Sometimes it feels more like a curse. Uh, Emily, I'm, I'm talking about the Bible. Um, <laughs> maybe if we could just stick with the story, uh, please. Uh, so, so turning back to uh, Genesis now 2, uh, <laughs> as, as I was saying, God said creation is, is good. Okay. I mean, no matter what Emily seems to think, God says creation is, is good. Not only was creation perfect, God took it a step further. God, God stepped into a good creation and created even a more perfect place in creation, uh, a garden, a place for God to enjoy, a place for God to commune with what God had made. God named it named it Eden. And then God in Eden took up a, a handful of fertile dirt and God formed the first human, Adam. And God gave Adam responsibility for the care and the, and the tending of this incredible garden Eden. And, and just because God wanted everything to be perfect, God, God saw that, that Adam was, was alone and, and that wasn't good. That Adam needed someone to, to share life with, a partner to work beside. So as, as Adam slept, God took a rib from, from Adam's side and, and fashioned a, a suitable partner, someone to share life with, a, another human, a woman named Eve. And what was one human now is two humans, but the two humans became one flesh. And what was good became, became even better. Everything in Eden was, was beyond perfect. Creation was perfect. Eden was perfect. God's relationship with creation was perfect. Humans' relationship with God was perfect. Their relationship with each other was perfect. Humans had life and purpose and companionship. It was great. It was perfect. It was exactly what God intended. And, and because it was so good, God never wanted it to end. And so God planted a tree in the garden, a garden, a, a tree of life that, that bore fruit year round. And as long as they ate it, they could live forever in paradise. That's what God wanted. You're right. I forgot this, this was our origin story. So out of good, God's goodness and grace, the Garden of Eden, it had everything. The humans had food to eat and they had purpose for their lives. They had perfect companionship with each other and with God. There was no suffering. There was no brokenness or discord. Um, everything was perfect and in right order. And they had access to the tree of life. However, there was another tree in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And while the humans were free to eat the fruits of all the other trees in the garden, 
God instructed the humans, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because on the day that you eat from it, you will die. These humans, they only had one rule to follow. Genesis 3 picks up the next part of the story. It is said that the snake was the most intelligent of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. The snake said to the woman, did God really say that you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the snake, we may eat the fruit of the garden's trees, but not the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. God said, don't eat from it, don't touch it or you will die. The snake said to the woman, you won't die. God knows that on the day that you eat from it, you will see clearly and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was beautiful with delicious food and that the tree would provide wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it and also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. They both saw clearly and they knew that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made garments for themselves. The snake is our antagonist who raises doubts in the minds of these humans. The snake questions exactly what God told them. The humans, they have access to everything in the garden, but the snake capitalizes on the one fruit that is missing. The snake emphasizes scarcity in the midst of abundance. The human beings are made in the image of God, breathing the very breath of God and enjoying perfect communion with God. Yet the snake points out that the humans are not God. There is a difference between God and the humans. The humans are lacking the knowledge that God has. If the humans ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, then they would be like God. They would see clearly, they would know what God knows. And the snake implies that there would be no difference between God and these humans. The humans, they look at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Surely knowledge doesn't look all that bad. And that fruit does look mighty tasty. The human beings created with free will and the image of God, they listened to the voice of the antagonist over the voice of God. They ate the fruit, their eyes were opened, they saw clearly for the first time, and they saw that they were naked, vulnerable, human. They saw their physical distances and their uninhibited relationship with one another. Instead of celebrating their vulnerability to one another and to God, these human beings, they were ashamed. They covered up. They covered up their communion with each other and with God. All right, I'll admit that there were uh, two trees, not just the tree of life. Yeah, I'll admit there was a tree of knowledge of good and evil, and, and there were rules they weren't supposed to eat from it. But let's not just focus on the negative. Genesis 3.8 says that during that day's cool evening breeze, they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. I love that. I just, just, just imagine that. God has just created the, the entire universe among the, the billions of galaxies and planets and stars. God could have gone exploring. He could have hung out at it out at Saturn's rings or, or, or hopped onto one of Jupiter's moons or, or gone, you know, gone on a trip outside the Milky Way. But God came to earth. God, God took a walk in the Garden of Eden. What would draw God 
to earth, to Eden, if not to spend time with, with Adam and Eve, with, with his children, with people he loved so much. We worship a God of relationship. God created us for no other reason than relationship, to, to love us and to care for us and to be loved by us. But on this particular day, God came walking through the garden, you know, looking for, for Adam and Eve to spend time with them. And God, God couldn't find them. Something seemed wrong. They were missing. So just out of concern, God calls out, where are you? Just imagine that. God of the universe, God who, who keeps everything together, searching for his children. I love this quote by Henry Now, and he said, here is a God I want to believe in, a father who from the beginning of creation has stretched out his arms in merciful blessing, never forcing himself on anyone, but always waiting, never letting his arms drop down in despair, but always hoping that his children re will return so that he can speak words of love to them. God's only desire is to bless. God called out to the humans, where are you? And the man replied, I heard your sound in the garden, God. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman you gave me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, what have you done? And the woman said, the snake tricked me and I ate. The human beings ate the one fruit they were told not to eat. They knew that they had disobeyed God. For the first time in their lives and in their relationship with God, the human beings were afraid. Their disobedience, their shame, their guilt, and their fear separated them from God. The human beings were no longer in perfect communion with God and they were no longer in perfect relationship with each other. As soon as God asked the man what had happened, the man blames his partner. The woman blames the snake. No one takes responsibility for their actions. Shame very quickly turns to blame. God's perfect creation is ruined. The actions of these human beings have widespread and long lasting ripple effects throughout all of creation. We see these effects today. Human beings are no longer in perfect harmony with creation. There is now contempt between the snake and the human beings, between the, the land and human beings. Human beings now have to sweat and toil to eat from the fruit of the land. The land's bounty is no longer a free and accessible gift. Human beings are no longer in perfect communion with each other and with their own selves. Human beings now, experiencing, now experience physical pain as well as emotional and relational pain. Pregnancy and childbirth are now painful. Human beings desire each other, but don't know how to properly honor these desires. Human beings turn to a hierarchy and seek to rule over each other. Relationships, they're messed up. Human beings are no longer in perfect communion with God. The human beings have lost their access to the tree of life. They no longer live forever. From the dust we were taken to the dust we will return. 
the human beings have lost access to Eden, to God's paradise, and to God's original intent for creation. Remember what I said earlier, <laughs> that when I look around at creation now, creation does not look or feel very good. Remember when I said it felt more like a curse? We live in a fallen creation. We see and experience the effects of this curse every day. You gotta wonder, how could a, how could a story that began so good turn out so bad? How could a story that begins with such beauty and such grandeur, with such good intent, with, with so much potential, so quickly fall apart? Admittedly, Emily is right. We're, we're not in Eden anymore. We're very far from the life that God intended for us, for all of creation. And yet, if you, if you look around, there are glimpses I mean, if you pay attention to the goodness of God's handiwork, it, it's out there if you look for it. The truth is we, we live in a world of, of paradox. This world we live in reflects both God's original blessing and the devastating effects of the fall. We are created in God's image and we are lost sinners in need of saving. We're both. Each of us has tremendous potential for good and goodness and beauty and for sin and selfishness and destruction. But thankfully, the curse of Genesis 3 is not the final word in our story. Our story doesn't end here. Even as God escorted Adam and Eve out the Garden of Eden and locked the gate behind them, sealing their mortal fates from, from dust you come to dust you shall return. Even then, there's, there's hints that, that God's not quite finished. That God isn't so easily defeated. If God, the God of the universe, desires a good creation, if God wants humans to love and be loved by, then the creator of the universe will have to be the one to fix what we break. God will have to introduce a different kind of plan, plan that both expresses God's love and deals with our brokenness. And so looking ahead, soon God will pick a family. That family will grow and become a nation. From that nation will come a savior savior for the world, a savior that brings light and life for all people, a savior that, that makes all things new. But really that's getting ahead of ourselves. It's, it's sort of like reading the last chapter of the novel to see how it ends, so to speak. I think really to do this story justice, to understand it properly, we just have to take it one step at a time. And so for now, for today, this is how our story begins, a great creation with great intent and humans who wanted more mm -hmm. and a God who just wouldn't give up, a God who won't give up.